Thanks for tuning in to the teaching ministry of Mike Hilson, Senior Pastor of New Life Wesleyan Church of La Plata, Maryland, a church that plants churches, and of Where You Are Church, an online church helping people reconnect with God through practical content and a growing community. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to this week's message, and we hope that this teaching helps you love God and love people better every day. If you enjoy what you hear today, consider sharing it with someone else. Now, enjoy today's teaching. Now, we're talking about our life examined and understanding our life, and maybe maybe that's a good place to start with what we're going to teach today, uh, because we talked last week about knowledge or worldview, and, and when we examine our life, it always starts with knowledge or worldview. What do I know? What is my worldview? How do I view the world around me? What do I accept? But then we move to faith. When we move over to faith, when our, when our worldview moves into faith, if knowledge is a matter of my worldview, then faith is a matter of my trust. What do I trust? Because all of us trust certain things in life, and, and, and honestly, all of us don't trust other things. You know, it depends on, on, on where you sit in worldview will determine what you trust in the world around you. Uh, I, you know, I tend to trust some things more than others because I have a worldview that, that gives me that bias to do that. Now, all of that's fine when it comes to you know, political ideas or when it comes to social ideas. All of that's fine. But when it comes to spiritual ideas, there's only one answer. And that answer is the God of the Bible. That answer is Jesus. The Bible says very clearly that that Jesus is the way to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through him. It's very clear that we've got to get to God through Jesus. So there's kind of only one choice here. And, and how do people come? How do I come to the place that I'm willing to trust Jesus at that level? Because that's what's got to happen is we've got to come to the place that our worldview allows us to trust Jesus as the only true answer. Now, I have to tell you, I'm convinced that trust develops when we come to the end of ourselves. We have to trust God when we come to the end of being able to trust ourselves for one reason or another. For instance, I think a lot of us just think we're going to be okay. I, I think, frankly, one of the reasons that Christianity has kind of lost traction in a lot of the Western world is the Western world is so comfortable and affluent at this point that people just don't feel like they need God. They trust themselves. I can do this. I have money. I have a job. I have security. I have da 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 I, I, me, me. I, I, me, me. And that becomes the Western world. I don't think I'm going to have to convince anybody that that's the way that works. It's so clear that that's the way that works. And when it's all about me or when I believe I got this under control, I don't tend to try to worry about trusting anyone else. If I think I've got it under control, I don't have to trust you. If I think I got it under control, I don't have to trust God. But when I get to the end of me, and this is why I often say, the world says, you know, if you need an answer, look deep down inside and find the answer inside of you. Well, you know what? I've looked in there and there's not a lot of answers. Uh, I, I, I look, I've looked deep down inside of me and what I find is brokenness. I find all kinds of stuff. I find some good stuff too. Don't, anybody get, don't, 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 don't get upset about it. I find good stuff in me too. But I find that most of the good stuff that's in there is something that God put there. And so in the end, I need to trust something outside of me. So I want to take you to four different places in, in Scripture today, four different encounters with Jesus that I think show us what happens and where trust is built. Now, I'm, I'm going to start with the most dramatic one. In Luke chapter 23, we get, we get Jesus is hanging on the cross. 
but he's hanging between two criminals. And it says, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. He thinks he's going to convince Jesus to save him. He thinks he's still got this under control. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? He said he realizes he does not have this under control. He said, since you're under the same sentence, we're punished justly for we're getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then this criminal turns to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. This guy realizes it's over. It's over for him. He's going to die today. The other guy seems to think he's still going to work it out and find a way to escape. But this guy realizes it's over for him. So he turns to Jesus and says, hey, when this is all over with, uh, when this is all over with, will you, will you remember me from your kingdom? And Jesus basically says, you're saved. I'll, I'll take care of you today. When you die, you will wake up in paradise. Y'all, trust develops when we come to the end of our road. I, 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 I realize most of us will not do this anytime soon, but I, but I have to tell you, the closer you get to the end of this life, the more you're willing to accept the reality of something beyond this life. The closer you get to the end of this life, the more you're willing to trust in a God that is bigger than this life or in a God that is eternal. Because look, the truth is all of us have a sense that there's something beyond just this life. All of us sense that. And when we begin to accept the fact there's something beyond this life and we begin to lean on the God who is in charge of eternity, what we do is at the end of our road, we come to the point that we start to trust him. Now, some of you are thinking, well, that's fine. I'll wait till I'm dying and then I'll receive Jesus. Look, sometimes you don't get that kind of you don't get that much warning. You got to understand that you need Jesus and you got to trust him earlier than this. But it is true that at the end of our road, we learn to trust Jesus. She said, well, why would I trust him before then? Well, let's try another one. In Luke chapter 19, we get a different story, a different encounter with Jesus. A man was there, uh, Luke chapter 19, I'll start reading verse 2. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He had money, he had position, he had power. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he couldn't see him. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people who saw this, and they saw this and began to mutter, oh, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the, said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save what is lost. Trust develops when we come to the end of our road, but trust develops when we come to the end of our riches. Sometimes we think our money's going to hold us. Sometimes we think our money's going to take care of us. Zacchaeus is powerful. He's wealthy. He's got all the money he needs. But in the end, all your money gives you is a false sense of security because it can all be gone away. It can all just disappear. It can all, look, look, I can show you multiple times throughout human history when a given government collapsed or a given society fell and what they thought was of value at the moment suddenly became worthless. 
people that were wealthy were suddenly in poverty. And this thing can happen. Money will let you down. You may not lose the money. You may just lose your faith in the money. That seems to be what Zacchaeus did. Zacchaeus seems to come to a place where he says, you know what? I would rather be close to Jesus than to have this money. So I'm just going to start giving it away. And Zacchaeus seems to do that. He comes to the end of his riches. However this happens, look, let me be honest. I'm going to pray that God doesn't take away your money in order that you might see him. I'm going to pray that you see him as more important than your money. However, we got to understand the truth is that that money comes and goes. Our wealth, our position, all of that comes and goes. And we tend to think that's what makes us secure, but it's not. It's not. It's Jesus that makes us secure. Our trust should be in something that never changes. The Bible says that we should store up our treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. And where thieves do not come and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we get our hearts into heaven, we're not leaning on something that is breakable or finite, like money and finances and riches. We must step away. Our trust develops when we come to the end of our riches. Listen, I'm not asking that God take it all away. I'm asking that God give you the right perspective on it that you understand that those riches and that money is only going to serve you for a given period of time. And when that period of time is over, you're going to have to have something else to have trust in. I'm here to tell you, Jesus is the choice you ought to make. Trust develops when we come to the end of our road. Trust develops when we come to the end of our riches. But then there's this other story. It's in John. In John chapter 3, starting verse 1, now, there was a Pharisee, a Pharisee, a, a religious leader, a teacher of the law, a pastor, if you will, a district superintendent, a, someone that's serving in ministry. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. So not only is he, not only is he in ministry, a pastor, if you will, a reverend, he's high up in the ranks. He, he's a member of the ruling council. He's, he's a big deal. So he came to Jesus at night. And said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied to him and said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. Nicodemus, in in this story, Nicodemus begins to question, well, how can you be born again? And Jesus explains it's a spiritual birth. It's it's, it's, it's a change. Listen, I'm going to explain this very quickly. Christianity is about a relationship, not a religion. Nicodemus is practicing a religion. When there are a lot of those on the planet, you can choose any of them you want to. But what Jesus is saying is, no, there are religious tenets and religious practices and sacraments that we follow, but this is not a religion. This is a relationship between Jesus, the Savior, and you, the one who is being saved. And so, so he moves from religion to relationship. Trust develops when we come to the end, watch this, of our reasons. I didn't say our reason because Christianity is reasonable and rational. I am, I am saying we got to come to the end of our reasons for not following Jesus. Nicodemus has a reason for not following Jesus, which is he's expecting Messiah to come and be very different than what Jesus looks like. His religion is calling for something that Jesus is not fulfilling. You say, well, I don't have a religion at all, so it doesn't matter for me. That's not true. All of us have something we believe 
believe in and something we follow. Political parties today have a very religious edge to them. The way they operate is is religious almost in a sense. It's very interesting, those who are not in church and do not go to church conferences, it's very interesting when they don't understand that these rallies, these these uh, these these conferences, the, the Democratic Convention, the Republican Convention, they look very much like church conferences. They run like church conferences. All of it runs like a church service. You know why? Because it's functioning as a religion. Frankly, when you go to the bar, when you go to a bar and you sit down at the bar, that functions like a small church religion. You got a pastor behind the bar who's dispensing the spirit. And then you got everybody hanging around asking the pastor questions. Well, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? And so the bartender becomes a counselor, just like the pastor becomes a counselor, because the one dispensing the spirit, either the spirit of an alcohol or the spirit of God, becomes the one you want to talk to because the spirit loosens your tongue so that you talk about what actually matters. Y'all all right? Everybody okay? Have I, have I offended enough people so far? All the political people, all the religious people, all the bar people. Hey, look, all these things function as a religion. And what we've got to do is we got to set our reasons aside so that we can find the relationship with God. We've got to be like Nicodemus. Now, I'm going to be honest. God allows this, and I'm not sure why, but Nicodemus comes at night, which means he's still trying to hide from everybody else. He's still trying to keep his position in the, in, in the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin, but he's trying, he's trying to still be a ruler in this, but still talk to Jesus because he's looking at Jesus and going, there's got to be something to this. What, what's going on here? Who are you really? And, and what should I do about it? Trust develops when we come to the end of our reasons. Trust develops when we come to the end of our road, or come to the end of our riches, and when we come to the end of our reasons. But then there's this story. There's this story. It's in John chapter 20. Jesus has been crucified and buried, and then he's risen from the dead already. And, and he's shown himself to some of the disciples. It says here in John chapter 20, Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came earlier. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger in the, where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. You got to prove this to me or I will not believe. Though the doors were locked, the Bible says. A week later, I'm sorry, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. He walked right through the doors, came and stood among them. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Now stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Trust develops when I come to the end of my road, when I come to the end of my riches, when I come to the end of my reason reasons and trust develops when I come to the end of my rationality. I said earlier that Christianity is a rational and reasonable and a reasonable belief system and it is. And it is. It a hundred percent is. But there are things about God and things about spirituality and things about eternity that we don't understand. There are things we can't explain. Y'all, in in the particular week that I'm speaking, I mean we're, we're this year we're learning 
there's all these things coming out from the government about things we didn't think were true and and ufos and all y'all y'all there's all this stuff coming out about that we didn't believe in that either but now we're starting to go hmm you know all of a sudden it seems more rational can i just tell you that moment's going to happen spiritually that moment is going to happen spiritually where you say where i've heard people say belief in god is just irrational it's just irrational uh who who is it uh, the founders of communism said that it's the opiate that 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 keeps the masses in place and i, I got I, I gotta tell you i don't think that's how this works a belief in god is a rational thing a belief in god is something we can have faith in and when I come to the end of what I consider my rationality, I can begin to receive a God who is beyond what I can understand. You say, well, I've got to fully understand God. If you can fully understand God, he's not big enough to be God. We need to understand that our God is beyond. I, my favorite definition of God is he is entirely other than anything we know. He's entirely other than anything we can describe. Why? Because he's God, because he's different, because he's more, because he's bigger, because he created everything. He encompasses everything. He is everywhere at once. How is that, 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 that's that in our minds, that's impossible. But in God's reality, that's what's true. We've got to trust the God of Scripture. And that trust begins when I'm willing to come to the end of me. Some of you will have to come come to the end of your rationality. Some of us will have to come to the end of our reasons. Some of us will have to come to the end of our riches. All of us will eventually come to the end of our road. When we get there, are we willing to receive the God who is willing to allow us to be born again, who died on a cross so that we could find that spiritual rebirth and have that relationship with the God of heaven? Pray with me. Lord, I just want to thank you. Jesus, you died on a cross for our sins, and you offer us freely salvation. It costs you your life, but it will cost us nothing in the world but a receiving. So, God, I ask that you would teach us, that you would show us how to receive you. Allow us, Lord, to set aside our, our, our rationality, our reasons, our riches. And Lord, would you allow us to come to know you before we come to the end of our road? God, I just ask that you would allow us to set aside whatever's holding us back, get to the end of ourselves and receive you. And Lord, should anybody be at that space today in that place, I, I just pray, Lord, that you would, you would help them to pray. The, that little prayer we say so many times, ABCs, I admit that I need Jesus. I believe that he can and will forgive me of my sins and make me his child. And I commit my life to him from this day forward. Lord, let us follow you in that way. Make us children of God, saved by the blood and sacrifice of Jesus, and given eternal life, guided by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. We really hope that this resource helped you in your journey towards loving God and loving people better every day. 
If you enjoyed this, please share it with your friends. And lastly, we just wanted to give a special thanks to those of you who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that all of this is even possible. If you'd like to learn more about how to partner with us financially, just click give for more information. We appreciate anything that you can do to help. Thanks for being a member of our online family. We love serving Jesus with you.